Magazines and Monsters, episode 38, The Horror of Dracula from 1958. This is the story of Dracula, a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula the terrifying, the feared, who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. Oh, you must help me. You must. You're my only hope. You must. I'll help you. I promise. Please try and understand. This is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims. Castle Dracula is summoned here in Klausenburg. Will you tell me how I get there? You ordered a meal, sir. As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister, and the one that is his wife. Dracula, the bedeviled master of all that is evil. Hey everybody, Billy D, a.k.a. Doc Strange here, back with another episode of the show. And this time around, I'll be diving back into another Hammer film. And joining me as a new guest to the show, it's Bomber from the Hammer Horror Films Twitter page, which is the top page on Twitter if you want to learn about Hammer, Amicus, Universal, and everything else. How you doing today, buddy? Doing good. All right, so believe it or not, when I was looking for guests who talk about Hammer films, I thought people would be jumping at the chance to talk about this one. But a couple people were like, oh, well, yeah, maybe. And I thought this is like one of the Hammer films when everybody thinks of Hammer and everybody thinks of Peter Cushing. And over here in the States, it's Horror of Dracula from 1958. You know, it's one of the big ones, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing are both in it and supporting cast. Michael Cole, geez, I can't even, you know, every, there's a, there's, there's so many good people in it. And, uh, and I, people kind of sometimes think, well, it's been talked about enough. It, it really hasn't. There's, there's a lot of layers to the film. There's plenty to, you know, to dissect, especially with the, uh, everything about it, the film, the sets, everything. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, when I think of hammer, this is one of the films that jumps right to the forefront of my mind. And I think part of that is because of how great the people you know, behind the scenes were, you know, the, the Jimmy Sangsters and Anthony mm -hmm. Nelson Keys, Anthony Hines, and of course, directed by Terrence Fisher, who to me, he's, he is the guy from, you know, Hammer Films. To me, I think he was their best director and he was, he was great. 
any any film he did for anybody, even things that would just fall flat, like uh, Earth Eyes Screaming. I think he did it around '64 for another studio. Mm-hmm. His direction style is obvious in it, and he saves that movie and makes it really fun to watch. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I think the music, obviously, uh, mm. you know, thumps is the that is the hammer. To me, that's the unofficial hammer uh, theme song. You know. Yeah, James Bernard. Yeah, he was something else yep. too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's was... easy to confuse people. James Bernard. Then you got Bernard Robinson. Who did the, <laughs> Production did designer. The, did the spectacular, <laughs> spectacular sets, you know. And if anything he did, you can just look and find tiny things. Every time you watch it, you can find something different that you didn't notice before. So it's a good film to look at. Yeah, and then Phil Leakey too with makeup. He's a guy too that early on he was the makeup guy that did all of them. You know, you can look at Frankenstein and this one and all. Yep. He was he was the guy for that too. And it's when you look back at all the people that were involved with Hammer over the years, you you definitely see a trend where there were certain names that were synonymous with the films that are looked at as the best and the most beloved. And there's always a lot of these names in those films. Yeah, even if you get to later Hammer, you know, and later for me being like the late 60s, uh, you know, Double mm-hmm. Rides Out, that's still that's still a Terrence Fisher film. Christopher Lee's still in it mm-hmm. uh, based on, you know, excellent, uh, an excellent book by Dennis Wheatley. And uh, Wheatley. it's just it's just like they had uh, a formula that worked and, you know, sometimes it worked better than others. And uh, mm-hmm. and this is one where it, it really works. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And like you said, some of the people uh, in front of the camera, that as well, uh, my favorite, Peter Cushing, uh, not yeah. enough can ever be said about him. He was great. Yeah. Mm. Props, Peter. And he used a lot of props in this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he came up with the, the candlestick at the end he, the, the, for the cross, the crucifix, using the two candlesticks. He was always he always uh, made use of stuff around him. That, that was a really cool thing about him. It's having guys like him on set it's almost like having uh you know another creative mind you know and not just an actor able to help out with the production and i you know he he had in every movie probably he ever made he came up with stuff that just awesome like that yeah he was sharp he was sharp and he seemed like one of the nicest people ever that's what everybody kind of said about him he was the nicest guy ever he, that's one of the persons i'd love to have met <laughs> i yeah i never heard a bad word about he was a real good friend of the, the late and i'll use this to say rest in peace Veronica Carlson she was great and they were friends his whole his whole lifetime you know I know they kept in touch and two of a kind two great people yeah as of this recording uh you know my favorite hammer girl uh, like you just mentioned Veronica Carlson she just you know recently passed away and you know huge shame and big shock to me because again I I thought she was doing okay and you know they announced an appearance for her but yeah rest in peace for sure because she was one of the good ones as well like you said great sweet lady yeah, and, and 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 the the great thing for her is that she got two leading roles, ne- one next to Lee as Dracula, and one next to Cushing as Frankenstein. I don't know how many girls can say they've done that, but I mean, and she was, you know, a learning actor, and but I mean, and she gave a great performance in both films. So I mean, kudos to her. She's going to be well missed. Yeah, and then like I said too, Christopher Lee is the other uh, big star in this one, and you know, unlike. Mm-hmm curse of frankenstein from the year before you know he actually has some uh, speaking parts in this one too and he right. is my dracula because to me he is very scary ominous like he had a huge presence that i never felt the same way about you know before and after you know people who played dracula to me he was the man 
Yeah, being six and a half feet tall didn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a big presence on screen. You know, when they got it, when they got over for the uh, premiere in America, I know uh, there's photos. I'll post them of them landing in, I think, New York. Maybe it's it's almost it was before the Beatles by what seven years and it's five mm -hmm. maybe six years and it, it almost seemed to have that feeling. You know, those two in the uh, you know, and uh, the studio director and kind of landing in America and they kind of, they kind of conquered it. And it's like when they got to the theater for the premiere theater theater for the premiere, uh, you know, and he makes his first screen appearance and he's uh, at the top of the stairs, you know, how he was. And mm. he came down and started talking, I'm Dracula. Welcome. You know, he had a real, you know, he seemed really nice. I guess they were sitting in the crowd, I think him and Cushing and the others and they, and, and the crowd started laughing when that happened and they thought, uh Oh, you know, but, mm -hmm. uh, by the end of the uh, film, that mood had all changed <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, as we all know from seeing the film, that was, uh, that was, he was showing his, uh, good side <laughs> or his, <laughs> or his fake, I guess it would be his fake side. Uh, lulling you into a sense of, uh, <laughs> uh that you're yeah, you are not going to be. <laughs> yep, for yeah. sure. And, yeah. yeah, there's another guy in here, Michael Goff. I like him, too. He's been in a bunch of different horror movies, you know, throughout this era as well. He's pretty good as a – I like him, you know, as a, a supporting guy. Yeah, you can pull Michael Goff in, in just about anything he did and even how bad it was. If it was a bad film, he was another one of those guys that could really make it better. You know, with Hammer, I know – his his work in uh, 62 and Phantom of the Opera was one of the things mm. that saved that film. His 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 character, he played it so, Ooh. you know, he, he was a bad guy and he, you know, but he did a good job at it. And when he wandered into like Amicus for, uh, I think he did, uh, what did he do with Amicus? Oh, the, oh, uh, the Dr. Train. Terrace, Dr. Terrace House of Horrors. And yep. uh, him and Christopher Lee's back and forth in that movie was awesome. And mm -hmm. uh, he did little things like Horrors of the Black Museum in 61. And yeah. uh, I think he was even in Conga around 70. Uh, it just, but all kinds of films like that that he appeared in. And uh, you always were going to get everything he had. And so him being in, uh, I've heard some people, uh, the Hammer experts saying that he really did a bad job in, in Horror of Dracula, a.k.a. Dracula and that's just not true. They can think that if they want, but I think he was uh, a real steady choice to, uh, he wasn't meant to be, he was meant to be on, you know, Van Helsing, P Peter Cushing's side, but he, you know, he argued with him about some of the stuff that was going on and, you know, yeah. tried to, you gave him lip and everything. <laughs> and I, I think he did a great job of, of, mm -hmm. of portraying that character. And he's one of the few actors that could have done what he needed to do. To, to, mm -hmm. to pull that off and unknown couldn't have done that and uh so yeah props to him yeah yeah i thought he was really solid and then uh we had uh valerie gaunt who she was in uh curse of frankenstein as well so she came from that movie then did this movie and she was one of the she was a a or the bride of dracula in the beginning of this yes. film but she's pretty good yes. too yes and she would have that was these were only her only two films you know and mm -hmm. she would have probably continued continued on with hammer and had a big career but uh, you know, she did Curse of Frankenstein and then she did Horror of Dracula, Dracula, and she met a vicar, fell in love, got married, moved to the Isle of Wight, retired, and that was the end of her career in her 20s. You never know. <laughs> 
that's wild. Yeah, that's a wild story. <laughs> you yeah. don't see that coming. You don't see that coming. But yeah, attractive lady. Yeah. Yeah, you never see that coming, you know, because when she was around set, you know, goofing around, smoking cigarettes with her fangs in, you know, you just, you, know, <laughs> you don't expect her to marry a vicar and move to the Isle of Wight and never act again. But, you know, you just <laughs> never know, you know how people's lives change. Yep, and I love those candid shots, by the way. That's that's one of the my favorite things about your Twitter account is when you uh, post some oh, shots candid, that are candid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. love it. Love like it. M- M- Melissa Stribling in a uh, using the telephone in a uh, <laughs> in the 1800s. Yeah. There's a <laughs> candid shot of that, and you know that's the funny thing about her is that one thing I noticed on uh, you know the, the the site's gotten so big now it's over you know close to 52,000 a lot of these actors relatives will come up you know and you know I'll, I'll end up talking to them behind the scenes they'll they'll tap me on the shoulder by atting me on twitter and uh melissa stribling a member of her family uh just recently like a month ago was like hey that's my husband's mom you know <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh, so and they uh, they showed me a picture of their living room there's a big picture of melissa in the living room uh that i'd never seen before and she was like with a with a, i think she was petting a lion or something uh, on wow. safari it was really neat and uh we, gosh dennis wheatley and uh, yeah whenever i mention and we've got other people um some of the people behind the scenes and hammers the families follow i know so uh I, I just can't think of them all off but there's there's you know and I, even you know veronica's family a couple of them uh, follow and uh, they're good people. That's a very good family down in the uh, south. I guess it would be the south, the southeastern United States. They're, I think they're Carolinas. in the Carolinas. Yeah. yeah, and they're they're uh, just a just a good group, and I feel so bad for them. And uh, yeah, but there's a lot of people that uh, connect with the page that are related to these actors, and it's it happens all you know fairly regularly but whenever it does it's just it's just amazing that their family find the page i think it's really it's really cool and 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 yeah to get back on point melissa stribling one of Mm -hmm. was one of them that 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 happened with and so she gave a great performance in the film and danny valley gone and 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 michael just everybody even even the smallest uh even you know you i think is funny is that some people that should know better didn't even realize that you know Miles Mallison had a part yeah. in the film, and he was in <laughs> Bride, he was in Brides of Dracula uh, as the doctor, and here mm-hmm. you know he's in what is he J Marks the Coffin? Yeah, the, he's uh, yeah. the Undertaker. Undertaker, Undertaker guy. Yeah, he's in he's oh. in another one of my favorites too, which is uh, the uh, oh uh, Cushing and Lee are in the uh, gosh the. Uh, conan doyle flick uh hound of the baskervilles yeah yeah he plays bishop franklin in the hound of baskervilles his career goes back he's he 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 props up in the 1951 the greatest version of a christmas carol too and uh, he's he's the guy selling the bedclothes of scrooge you know he's just one of those guys one like a michael ripper type that they just Mm. planted him in these hammer films and michael did more than anybody but you know the supporting cast they always had at Hammer was just yeah. beyond nobody could touch it. Nope. Yeah, George Woodbridge, another one. He he did multiple yeah. Hammer films too. He was you know like the innkeeper at this one, and I mm. love him too. You know he's one of those guys. It's like you see him in a movie. It's like a a comfort food. You know what I mean? You say, oh that sure. guy's in this one too. All right. You know you love I think that. That's what, you know I get a lot of older people, not older people, maybe my age and, and older. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in there you know that find the website and i think the uh, it's 
these hammer films are comfort food, you know, cause they mm-hmm. can put one on, they kind of seen it before, but there's, there's so many of them, you know, there's, you know, probably a good 80 different titles you can really watch over and over and they put it in, they, they, it relaxes them. And uh, cause it's, you know, the settings are so great and the script are so great and the actors and everything. It's so hammer. I think, I think what it comes down to with hammer is it is a comfort food for so many people in America and in the United Kingdom and all over the world, but especially America in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, there's a, 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 quite a few movies that it, I've seen them dozens of times. I can keep watching them and they never get old. They never get boring. I always love to watch them. It was, they, they caught lightning yeah. in a bottle with that studio from, you know, mid fifties, the late sixties, you know, 1970 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, if, 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 if you've seen it a lot and, just if you're watching it, pick out a the bottom left hand corner, or the top right hand corner of the screen, and, and look for something different because you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You definitely will. And oh, I wanted to mention too, Jack Asher, cinematography. That was another oh, yeah. one of those names that you'll see all the time in the credits with the, you know, like yep. I said again, those those movies that you're like, oh yeah, this is one of their best. His name's always there. Yeah, and you, I love the pseudonyms they came up with too, like. Uh, younger and elder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I was younger, actually, I, didn't, I didn't realize that's what they were doing. <laughs> Carreras, I think, yeah, they just took those pseudonyms to write under. And mm-hmm. I just, everything they did was brilliant. Everything worked for so many years. I think for the first 15 years, just about everything worked. At least the first 13 years, everything worked. Yeah, some people get a little upset with me um, that are just hardcore and, you know, love everything like with a fervor because i kind of think around uh frankenstein must be destroyed like right around that film to me is like the tipping point like everything that came after that to me i just i don't have as much of a a, 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 my heart's not in it as much as well you know me 55 to then yeah me either because things were starting to change and uh yeah there was there was obviously some great films that came after that, but there were a lot of misses. And there were you know then it got into the gratuitous stuff, the nudity, and we, it's just not needed. Yeah. They didn't you know, but that's everything changed. You know, in America, you had in '73 The Exorcist, and you had to compete against that. And yeah. I think that you know, and they a lot of people don't like the fact. Well, why don't you mention the Hammer films before Curse of Frankenstein? You know, and they're they were around a long time, but and they made some good films. You know, like four-sided triangle and quarter yes you know whatever there was but nothing is going to resonate like that period from 57 to 70 right in there and there were good films in 71 2 and 3 and 4 that you know but just you know there were also some some ones that didn't quite hit and uh i think they wound it all up after years and years in 79 with uh the lady vanishes which is really a hitchcock thing so i i think there's just that solid 12 year period they had, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. Curse of Frankenstein and the film we're talking about Dracula, AK, that's another thing you have a problem with in, in England. They want to call it Dracula and in the States, they want to call it horror of Dracula. And I've seen arguments about that, but it's like, the only difference is, it's just, you know, that's the release title in the country and people just need to understand that, mm-hmm. you know, that's how they're going to remember it. They're not going to remember it as Dracula in, in uh, America and they're not going to remember it as horror Dracula England, but yeah. it's still the same film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a trivial thing to get upset over. So I don't, I don't let that yeah. kind of stuff bother me. It's just such a great film. And again, oh, yeah. the, the rewatchability of this film to me is just, it's always there. It's something I could watch, you know, 
literally like every month I could put that on and I would enjoy watching the film. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, with me, it too, it's like certain scenes that I watch uh, in different sittings. I haven't watched it in a couple of months. I'll probably watch it tonight. But uh, <laughs> there's this, like the last time I watched it, you know, the scene that really stood out to me was when um, I forget the little girl's name. I can never remember it, but, you know. Oh, she, Tanya. Tanya. And uh, mm -hmm. I can't remember her actor name. But when he put the, uh, you know, Peter Cushing was so good putting the cross around her and let's look over there, you'll see the sun come up and they went in there to, you know, hack up Aunt Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they, that's what they were doing. But I mean, the way they just did that whole sequence with such care and the mm -hmm. way it was photographed, it's just, it's just one little part in the movie, but it's just such good stuff, you know? Yeah, Hammer, I tell people this all the time if they're not very familiar with Hammer. I try to tell them, like, what they did with a, a very small budget, you know, mm -hmm. what, what what they did and put on the screen and what you see then is just, it's almost like, I don't say a miracle, but it's it's crazy how good it is for what little amount of money they had. They had very, very good, everybody was really good at what they did. Uh, music, set design, direction, actors, uh makeup just costuming everything they they just had the best people and it just it's kind of mm -hmm. like one of those things like the rock band the beatles you know they came from it just they just all got together and kind of did the same kind of magic you know it's just one of mm -hmm. those things that happens yeah yeah i i would put like you said that 12 13 year period i would put that period for hammer up against any studio of any time in the world and just say that's i just for me, I can't find another studio, especially if you break it down to a horror, you know, genre, who sure. had a run of that many years and that many movies that were just really, really good, and, and you can and, keep and, watching. And people would say AIP, the Price films, the Poe films, and just the, the films he did were a period mm -hmm. of you know 1960 to 74, kind of the same relative period, but the, there was not the, there was some very good quality there, but the quantity was nowhere near. No. And as far as Universal, you know, when we got into their talking pictures in 31, if you want to take it out to, you know, again, 12, 13 years, you're around 1944, 45, you're getting into the House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. And, uh, you know, a pretty good amount of films, not as many as Hammer and some real classics, but they 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 they're probably second place. They they couldn't mm -hmm. do quantity and you know the ones at the end of the universal cycle were killed off by abbott and costello uh they yeah they just brought them in to kill off all their monsters and start fresh you know and then there was that little lull between abbott and costello and like, eight years between that and curse of frankenstein where there wasn't much out there ex except spaceships and mm -hmm. hammer brought it all back and did it in color and did it i don't want to say better but it's those two are two different eras but they're they're the two that nobody's ever going to be able to touch i mean they just brought a new version of dracula on the bbc and i i watched part of it and i just it didn't do much for me i mean it was okay you know but it's just yeah it's trying to trying to compete against universal studios premieres and hammers premieres is a pretty tall task yeah that's i good luck that's my advice <laughs> good, yeah. good luck to you <laughs> Those films are, yeah, they're, they're, and, and Universal's, a lot of people are, look at, you know, the way people look at Hammer, they're, those are comfort food, 
uh, type films as well. If you can't sleep at night, put one on and it won't put you to sleep because it's bad. It'll put you to sleep because it comforts you. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To me, they stand the test of time. Oh, easily. So, all right. Well, if you're ready here, we can get into talking about the film itself. So, you know, uh, we can mm -hmm. uh, start off right at the beginning here. I do like how this one starts out. And a lot of Hammer films do start out like this, where they kind of lull you into this sense of security, like we kind of mentioned earlier, that phrase where it's like, oh, this is nice. And, you know, you see this guy, you know, he's, yeah. you know, uh, talking, you know, you can hear his inner monologue saying he's, you know, going to this house and the driver didn't want to take him all the way. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That goes back to the universal film. You know, it's it goes back to the book, you know, it's like and but Hammer always had a twist on everything, didn't they, though? Mm hmm. Uh, you know, he uh, gets to the point where he's like, I'm going to forever reign in this man's reign of terror. You know? <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, it's everything. Gosh, you almost wish they made two films or one was happy. Because yeah. it was so enjoying <laughs> so good. Mr. Harker, I'm glad that you've arrived safely. Count Dracula. I am Dracula, and I welcome you to my house. I must apologize for not being here to greet you personally, but I trust that you have found everything you needed. Thank you, sir. It was most thoughtful. It was the least that I could do after such a journey. didn't make direct uh what am i trying to say uh copies of you know the original film. no they, they did their own spin on everything and mm -hmm. uh i'm glad they did that's why it's so good but yeah you're right the uh everything was good until uh until i believe it was valerie gaunt mm -hmm. asked for help and then all hell broke loose yeah, it started out with our buddy Jonathan Harker, you know, uh, and I forgot yeah. to mention him. Uh, sorry about that. That's John Van Essen. Yeah, uh, John Van Essen. Yeah, and he was he was really uh, he was around in the early Hammers, like he was in Four Sided tri Triangle, and he was a brilliant mm -hmm. did a brilliant job in that. And then so they just had this stock of actors, you know, they just had a stock. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, like he said, he goes into the castle then, and he meets a. Uh, uh, Valerie Gaunt, uh, as mm -hmm. I, I like how she's credited as Vampire Woman, <laughs> kind of giving it. Yeah, as there, Vampire but... <laughs> Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. She was good, and you know, she's like, "Oh, I need help," and he's like, "Oh, sure, I'll help you." And then all of a sudden, she gets this, you know, stone cold look on her face, and like, kind of runs off. And you're like, "What's her problem?" And yeah, Jonathan yeah. Harker turns around, and wow, there's the money shot of Christopher Lee. Wow. Yeah, they they kind of possessed. And I said, yeah, when they first saw that in New York, they were laughing because he was like, "I'm Dracula," and he was all amiable and everything. But I think when the laughter stopped, when the premiere in New York is when he uh, attacked her. You know, when when she was asking for, and you know, he ended up, you know, then then uh, then they took it seriously and they realized this isn't a nice guy. 
<laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, it's it that that first part there again to speak on how little the budgets were, but the sets look great. Like that really looks great. That interior shot there where he's at the top of the stairs and then comes down and talks to Harker there. Oh, that looks great. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. Yeah, it's and it's like uh and you know, it's kind of like in the same vein as Brides of Dracula, the, which is basically the follow-up that Christopher Lee wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um it was going to be a little bit different, but they had a they had a sequel plan. But Peter Cushing doesn't really figure into the first chunk of the movie. No, and, yeah, the first uh, third of the movie, really. <laughs> and yeah, and he, uh, I wouldn't say he's not missed, but I mean, they were making a good movie anyway. It's it's interesting how that is. It, um, it, and I won't go in any farther and saying in a lot of the Hammer films they don't come in right away, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have such good supporting players. They easily carry the movie without them. But when they get there, their impacts felt. That's for sure. Absolutely. Totally agree with that statement. Um, but yeah, then, like you said, we you get to meet the Christopher Lee's character there, Count Dracula. And he seems like an OK guy at first. But then yeah. uh, another evening comes and Harker is uh, once again uh, met with uh, Valerie Gaunt and uh, her character. And she's asking for help again. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And then she actually you know, does a little bite on his neck yeah. and then here comes Christopher Lee and he's like really pissed off. I love yeah. how he looks there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was always great at the strangle mm. uh, and he really strangled him good. He strangled Cushing more times <laughs> in more <laughs> movies, but he gave John Van Essen a really good strangle job there and just basically flung him. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And it's just like, it's cool about hammer films is that they kind of cut to your next scene and he's laying in bed and the they're smart enough to even have the candles burn down to nothing and you know that kind of attention to detail when he wakes up in his bed Mm because dracula took him back there after he you know choked him choked him out Mm -hmm. even the candles are like they've been burning all night and they're and the smoke's coming off and they're flat not many film companies would pay that kind of attention to detail no yeah, that's that, and that's a great touch to show you how much you know that there's been a lot of time lapsed since you know he was last awake. You know, Harker. It takes it takes a long time for that tall of a candle to burn down to nothing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you know, like we did find out after a few minutes of Harker being in there that he's you know not just there to be a librarian. He's there because he knows Dracula is you know a vampire and he's going to help a you know try to kill him and. Uh, you know, basically help out everybody in the right, right. Uh, which is a twist, which is a twist on the original story, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, and it, <laughs> he does at one point too, once he realized he's been bitten, you know, writes, he's been writing in this journal about what's been going on there and he runs out and hides it. Um, you know, so, uh, that can like live on cause he knows he's not going to, but he does go and he does stake, uh, you know, our buddy Valerie there. But yeah, he yeah. doesn't have that much of luck. That doesn't have the good luck with the count, though, trying to stake him. <laughs> Is, isn't it interesting, though, how the Hammer writers and the team slip things by you? Peter Cushing Van Helsing comes looking for his friend. And, uh, you know, he's like, has anybody seen him? And then the waitress brings up this diary. This was found in the video. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. it just so happens that was found. And But the way they do it. <laughs> You know, what I mean, it's like yeah. it's almost like ridiculous that that could be found somewhere and she brings it to the right guy. But the way they do it and just slip it past you is genius. Yeah, you don't even think about it. You're just yeah. like, wait a minute. How could they find this diary? You know, 
You yeah, it's one mean? of the, it's one of those parts in a Hammer movie that if you're just watching it and just having a good time, like you said, it slips right by you. But if you watch it to you know with like a careful eye and try to like mm-hmm. you know you know see what's really going on here and like be you know you know more of a student of it, you're like, oh yeah, that doesn't like wait a minute here. That's a bit of a plot hole. That how did it get from that little hiding spot there? <laughs> all, the, all the way back exactly. to that all the way back to that you know hotel there How, that yes happen? yes yes and by that time <laughs> it doesn't matter they've already got you hooked yeah yeah but yeah by that time here's peter cushing you know uh coming onto the set dr van helsing and like i said huge presence just like lee when he comes onto the, the set when he comes into a scene it's just a huge presence he takes it over yeah exactly mm. and it's just like those two guys just about every film they were in it was kind of the same thing and uh Mm -hmm. i think that was really interesting you know that they were as good as friends you know and and you'll hear some of the you know on facebook or places like that well they just weren't really that good of friends they were acquaintances and they just kind of knew each other from working together and people just i don't know why they want to drive that down people's throats on social media because it's not true they had a 37 year friendship which Lee's talked about repeatedly, repeatedly, mm-hmm. you know, they were really good friends and, you know, he could just call him up and make a grunt, a noise. And he knew it was him, you know, they didn't have to be together every day of the week, you know, and, uh, I that that's one, that's just something that these, uh, people that think they're hammer, I don't know, expert PhDs think that that's the way it was. And that there's, it's just not possible. You can't fake that type of friendship. It's impossible. Yeah, no, those guys were best of friends. You don't have to, like you said, you don't have to be at somebody's house every day to be very good friends. They're both professionals oh, yeah, you can and throw, working. Yeah. yeah, you can throw Vincent. Vincent Price can be thrown in there, too. I mean, mm-hmm. at a late, in the later 60s, they became friends, all of them. Mm-hmm. And they worked on movies together. But, you know, they worked on movies together separately. Like like you might see Price pop up in, with Cushing or Price pop up with Lee or all three together a couple of times. It's very interesting. Yeah, that's great stuff. It it. it warms my heart to know that the three guys that i love best in horror films were were you know good friends and well you know, it warmed my well. heart to know that christopher lee for christopher lee for a long time lived next door to boris karloff yeah that's so crazy, you know that it? they all met you know they all and vincent price and boris karloff were good friends having worked together so you know that at least those four hung out <laughs> mm-hmm. yep that's great there's that's no, awesome there's, there's no there's no way it didn't happen mm-hmm yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Then we said, yeah, uh, we got uh, our buddy uh, Dr. Van Helsing shows up at the pub yeah. there, the inn, and everybody's kind of being tight lipped about uh, where his friend is and what happened to mm-hmm. him. And, and especially when he mentions the name, you know, Count Dracula, then everybody's like, you know, they kind of want him to get lost and hit the road because they, <laughs> yeah. they, don't, they don't want any trouble. And it's like, well, you've already got trouble. This guy might be able to help. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, just the subtle things where christopher lee at the beginning of the film's being charming and he's may i may i see this picture of your fiance charming. <laughs> charming then hands it back in his own mind he's thinking i'm gonna get her <laughs> yeah you don't know that right there at that point but later yeah, on but after, like, after, oh. after he did away with his vampire bride you know after valerie gaunt got staked you know, it's, you knew that was coming and that's the thing the stakings in those films you know it's like the the uh, the actors they had to uh, you know when she showed her true age those everything was detailed and it's like mm-hmm. it's it's too bad you know uh, when John Van Essen I think 
Peter Cushing when he got to the castle, right? That's kind of where yeah. chrono- chronologically we're at. Yep. He knew he had the knowledge, as they said earlier, to, to put him to rest. And they do show a, a, a quick shot of him after he staked and uh, after Cushing stakes Van Essen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's kind of, or is that, yeah, that's right, right? Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. yep. He's just kind of like in the, you know, he looks bad. Yeah. But if you look at the the makeup, some of the photos that are not so, you don't see all the time that I'll post once in a while. I post one of that that's just absolutely gruesome. <laughs> yeah. I'll have, to, I'll, I'll have to put that up. Yeah, yeah. They They actually, you know, and these were, you know, had an X rating back then, which is, it always makes me chuckle because to me, when I was a kid, an X rating meant something totally different than <laughs> what X oh, yeah, rating yeah, meant me in 1958. <laughs> yeah. 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 In England, mm-hmm. I guess it'd be the, the H certificate. Yeah. And in America, it, it, it kind of meant, uh, you know, pornography or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Yep. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah. You could tell like he, Cushing did a great job when he had to stake his friend there. You know, he really looked like that you know, hurt him, you know, terribly. He's what a good actor, man. Yeah. Good eyes. Good, good emoting with the eyes, old blue eyes. Yeah. He, he, he could really put it across that he was doing something he didn't want to do. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that was a whole huge, powerful sequence. And then of course that all shifts back to, mm-hmm. yeah. To, ben. uh, yeah. Ben Helsing. He, yeah. Had to go back and tell Arthur and Mina mm-hmm. about, about, uh, about um uh, our buddy jonathan you know because yeah. they that's i think that's when they first mentioned too there must have been a few days that you know between him staking jonathan and then him getting back to tell them there there had to have been a little bit of a, a time lapse there a few days quite, because, quite a while yeah that's yeah. A, that's a, in those days that was a pretty good journey yeah yeah i think maybe they might even mention something like 10 days or something like that he might even say yeah maybe a couple of weeks yeah yeah, Michael Goff's character might say something like, oh, he's been dead for 10 days or 11 days or something like that. You know, and you're just telling us now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he comes to tell them and let them know mm-hmm. that he said he wanted to be cremated. And they say about uh, his fiancée, uh, Lucy, uh, that she's fallen ill. And, of course, you don't think anything of it right at the get-go. But you right, know, we, right, realize, yeah. we realize why she's fallen ill, that the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the council it's another one they throw. It's another, it's, another <laughs> one they throw, it's another one they throw past you. It's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he told me he wanted to be cremated, and then they just <laughs> we just move on, you know. It's like the real reason behind it, you know. Yeah, he doesn't get real specific on what happened then, but you know, it, not only a couple scenes later, he does. He kind of says to them after you know Lucy gets a, another couple of visits from the count, and she you know air quotes dies. You know, they kind of mm-hmm. try to blame you know Van Helsing, you know Cushing's character. They try to blame him for it, and um, right. it really wasn't his fault, but. Uh, he says, hey, I know you don't believe me about what I would tell you is really going on here, but I know you'll believe Jonathan. And he gives them the uh, diary for them to read. Yeah, and I don't believe that the 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 hammering that Michael Gulf takes for his his portrayal in the movie. I thought he was the perfect guy. I thought he did a great job. You know, he's yeah, you know, he, he, he was just good. And then they then then, then they kind of team up. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like the buddy cop show here they <laughs> the two yeah. of them are going to you know finally uh, figure out what's going on here and then especially you know michael goff's character he's kind of like really is this what's really going on and then he sees uh, uh lucy alive and well or not quite alive but dead and yeah. well i guess you'd say undead the, yeah the acting like his face is this it's there's no 
it's it looks like genuine shock and horror. <laughs> yeah, there's well, there's a little girl at the house, Tanya, and she got she. I like I love that scene where uh, the policeman brings her in the house, and they're like, "What's going on?" And the policeman's like, "I found this little girl, and she was crying." And they're like, "What are you crying about?" And she's like, "Oh, somebody asked me to go for a walk, and this and that." And well, who was it? And she says, "Aunt Lucy." And they're all like, "What?" <laughs> I love yeah. that scene. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's definitely that's a definitely a good one. Yeah, I mean the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's when he Michael Goff's character Arthur starts to be like, "Okay, something is going on here." And... I heard you call me, Aunt Lucy. Yes, dear. You're cold. Where are we going? For a little walk. I know somewhere nice and quiet where we can play. goes to see her at the grave and uh, or in the i guess yeah. it's not actually a grave it's a uh, i'm trying to think what the heck they call those like a almost like a family crypt or vault or something and she's not there <laughs> and he's like yes wow. sarcophagus in the crypt yeah yeah he knows something's up so he waits there until nighttime and then he sees her coming back with the little girl and you know you and i talked about that scene that's a great scene too. yeah and i'm not i'm not giving enough credit to carol marsh what a great actress yeah yeah she did great too she was really creepy especially when she's you know trying to basically bite a little girl that's a really creepy thing yeah. to think about and, it. And, 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 and if you look at the uh the off-camera stills you know i throw up she was fun loving you know there she is having her tea and her sandwich oh yeah that's great, that's a great her sarcophagus with you know <laughs> she's got she's got the burn mark on her forehead she's sitting there having a cup of tea and a sandwich getting ready to get staked i mean it's like a family it's it's just uh awesome stuff yeah, that was a great scene because, you know, she does show up and she tries to put the bite on uh, her own brother there. But yeah, thank God, thank God Cushing's there, you know, Dr. Van Helsing. And he's got this gigantic cross and he slaps it on her head and burns her head. Like you just said, oh, man, that's yeah. that's a that's a good scene. Good makeup. You know, that's Bill Leakey again. Just you could you could you could halfway it and just put like a, 
you know, some black powder to make it look like a burn, but he made it look like a real good burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They didn't, they didn't half, half do anything. No, not at all. Like I said, they, they didn't even have that much money to do some of the things you would think they needed the money to do. You know, for, again, for what they did, for what we saw yeah, on, like on he, film was great. In Curse of Frankenstein, you know, most of that monster is built up just using cotton. He yeah. just used what was cheap and what he had. It was amazing work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kudos to him. And like you said, anybody that's had to do it. I think Roy Ashton was like maybe – yeah, they came right after him, and I think yep. he learned from him. They just kind of kept the thing going in the makeup department. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, all right. So then I'm trying to think what then what the happens next. Van Helsing, you know, they they stake uh, Lucy, and that's pretty mm-hmm. nasty. But you know, then Arthur can then see. They, hey, yeah, she's back to normal then. Then we got to start worrying about Melissa Stribling's character. <laughs> yeah, because while they're out, you know, playing, you know, vampire hunter. And trying to track down where Dracula is, I think they go to like a, uh, I'm not sure what you call those over in Europe. Like, you know, they have like a checkpoint or something like that. I yeah yeah the border yeah check. yeah yeah for when the you know because they, they know that uh, if they check there, there'll be documentation of where you know Dracula's you know coffin is. But mm-hmm. while they're out doing that for uh, Melissa Stribling here, you know, uh, <laughs> she uh, Mina Homewood, she doesn't. Uh, <laughs> she falls yeah, under she starts, Dracula's bite. Yeah, starts to meet her fate, you know. And I think you know where they kind of change things up. And uh, I think everybody's seen this, so we're not going to give anything away, right? No, yeah, yeah. Go. I'm uh, sure everybody's no, seen like this one. Where, where the coffin ends. <laughs> where the coffin ends up is just pretty brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then that's when we get to see our buddy Miles Malice, and then eventually when they're looking for the <laughs> for the yeah. coffin. Yeah, and, and he, he acts the there. same way. He acts the same way in every movie. Uh, yeah, he's crazy. I love it. And he, but he gets away with it, you know. And and you know, I saw him later on talking about Miles after he passed away. I, I saw a film of Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee talking about him, and they were talking about Miles Madel. They were just cracking up, laughing about him because he he just had him in stitches all the time. Yeah, you just, mentioned that. And he didn't have to try. It was just that's just being who he was. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like you said, he's you know pops up, rides of Dracula. And- Hound of the Baskervilles, he's 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 one of those guys you love seeing in one of these Hammer films because you know it's going to be fun. Oh yeah. Mm. And then okay, so yeah, then yeah, things really move quick after that. They stake Lucy like super super quick because I mean it really, like you said, we we see Dracula he uh, gets a hold of uh, Melissa Stribling's character there, uh, Mina, yeah. and then. They find her back at the house, and she's you know mm-hmm. lost blood and this and that, and that transfusion scene—that's pretty wild. I don't, I don't know that I had ever seen one, you know, from that era before, but it looks pretty authentic to me. Yeah, I think they they uh, the way they use the uh, the seals and the tubing and everything—you know—it it looked authentic enough to me. And it, that's Peter Cushing again. You know, he's just you know everything mm-hmm. he did. You know, that's kind of him going back into his uh, Victor Frankenstein or Baron Frankenstein, you know, the way he handled the uh, uh, well, the, the medical stuff. And, and yeah. that's from Peter Cushing consulting with his own doctors. Oh, he did that to make it look real. He and they and they they I think somebody said to him once, why do you take such care doing the medical stuff? He goes, because it, even if there's one doctor in the audience, it has to be right, you know, in the theater watching the film. So. I always thought that was neat about him. 
Yeah, well, again, that goes back to the people Hammer got for their films. They all had a good work ethic. It was, you know, they really wanted yeah. to make a good movie. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the uh, I think pretty much after that, uh, it, it doesn't it come down to we've got to get a hold of uh, Dracula and mm-hmm. Michael yeah. Gold's wife. That, mm-hmm. That's kind of, that's kind of where it all leads to. The tube is all leading in that direction. Is that yeah. We've got to stop this guy. He's got your wife. <laughs> yeah. And then they find out that, you know, the, the I guess the maid kind of says like, hey, there's something. Uh, the, the missus told me, you know, not to go into the basement. And they're like, why would they say that? And it, it kind of a light goes off over Cushing's head like, wait a minute. That's why we couldn't find his coffin. At yeah. And, you know, that, that, I can't remember the name of the actress who played the maid off the top of my head, but um uh, she, oh, Olga Dickey. Yeah, Olga Dickey. Olga, Olga Dickey. Olga yep. was good at being good at making mistakes. Uh, <laughs> she got Lucy killed. I, well, I took the flowers. They were choking her. I took her out of the room. And, he, you know, mm-hmm. Cushing's mad at her and he wants to slap her. You could tell. And it's <laughs> like, but after learning from that, then she didn't tell where the coffin was at. So basically, by talking, by doing the wrong thing and then by, you know, doing the right thing, she screws up twice. <laughs> Yeah, she almost gets uh, uh, Mina killed there. I love the part where, yeah, the uh, Dracula then shows up to get into his coffin, and there's a, uh, you know, uh, Doctor uh, Van Helsing down there putting a his giant cross in the coffin, so he locks him in there and takes off and grabs uh, Mina and heads for the hills and heads for his castle. And there's a big show down there at the castle. And, and then that beautiful music starts. You know the oh the 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 the. the, the um... The uh, the string instruments and all you know, you know, it's uh, and it goes on. I think that whole sequence goes on mm-hmm. for I don't know how many minutes, seven minutes, I don't know, where you know he finally catches up with him, and uh, he's dug basically a grave to mm-hmm. dump <laughs> Mina in. He chucks her in, and, and he just chucks her in, you know. <laughs> And I understand he just, that. He just chucks her in. He's just he's that's going to be his new vampire bride because they mm-hmm. destroyed his original and his Lucy. They got rid of her, so we're going to chuck her in the grave and we'll, we'll get put her here and come back and get her later. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the one of the really funny things about that scene that, that people don't realize, and it's kind of shot at a twilight. Um, what people don't realize about that scene is that when he was doing the digging in the grave and doing that whole sequence, Christopher Lee had his contacts in and he Mm -hmm. was literally almost blind trying to do this right. And I think if memory serves me right, he fell in the hole while they're filming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, yeah, to mention that in a lot of the films, he wore contact lenses to make his eyes look all red and crazy and stuff like that. And half the time he couldn't even see where he was going. Yeah, and that cost him in that sequence, and so it's a big cut, you know, because he he was gonna throw her in, and I think I, I think if I remember right, he fell into the hole that he dug for Mina, <laughs> which is kind of a funny thing. Yeah, that's wild, but yeah. So then we get the uh, you know the scene where uh, Van Helsing chases him into the castle, and the two of them battle, and you know he Van Helsing almost gets bitten, but he chucks yeah, him off. Yeah, which is which is interestingly yeah. enough, they make a sequel eight years later, and that leads the sequel off that you know frame for that frame. scene yeah. yeah so in yeah. a way peter cushing was in the sequel yeah just a small part in a small way but yeah he actually if you want to get technical was 
Um, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. 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 And then he notices it's becoming daylight. So he uh, goes and runs over and rips the drapes off the windows. And then uh, we start to see goodbye to uh, Mr. Lee here. Yeah. And he grabs his candlestick. And, and the, the, the disintegration sequence of Lee in that film for 1958 is, mm. and with, and with what, and with, Phil Leakey with what they had and his uh, his helpers, what, the way they pulled that off is just amazing. And if you know, now that we can go back and they found the Japanese footage about yes. uh, ten years ago, and we can see what it was meant to look like, it's just gruesome. Yeah, when I was a kid, I remember not it it being not that gruesome. But again, you just said why because they didn't have that piece of the footage. Yeah, they they had to censor it. The BBFC was a bit. They censored all Hammer films pretty much pre before they even made them, and mm-hmm. uh, but that part did make it. But luckily, the Japanese print it survived, and they were to, able to clean it up real good for the for the twenty ten or twenty twelve restoration of it. Yeah. And uh, you know, do you know what went into making that makeup for his face? Though it was just amazing what they what they did to give that effect. You know, where he's like raking his own face. Oh you know? yeah leads disintegrating it's like i remember they in order to achieve that effect this is the attention to detail and why people love hammer films was that uh i think the first thing they did for lee's face was put on a uh a coating of uh red grease paint all over his face and then they broke out the mortician's wax Mm. uh that they would use uh in uh in in a uh in an undertaker in a um you know yeah mortuary or whatever mm. yeah the makeup artist would use it's called mortician's whack and they they put a very fine layer of that over lee's face uh over the red makeup and then on top of that they put on uh flesh tone makeup to match lee's own skin on top of the mortician's wax and that's how they were able to achieve that when he clawed his face and his face peeled off. That was actually mm-hmm. the mortician's wax. I mean, who else would think of that? That's attention to detail is unbelievable. Yeah, like you said, for 1958, that looks incredible. Yeah, and then when you photograph it and everything and you get it on film, it's yeah, but uh, just coming up with the idea to use the red paint and the flesh tone on the mortician's wax. And then, but the, just, just for that one scene really, where he's just, they did all that work so he could claw his flesh off. It's just, it's brilliant. I mean, and I'm sure when that was playing in movie theaters in 1958, like in America or anywhere else, when he did the foot, when he clawed that flesh, I'm sure that got everybody's attention. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And again, it's one of those things that there's so much technology now with filmmaking But to me, you go back and watch that, and when you take it in the context of the year it was made in, to me, that's, like, revolutionary. That's, like, way – that's something that blows your mind. Yeah, and, you know, I wouldn't trade that for any of the CGI or any of the stuff they do now. It's just Uh – it's fictitious to me. Uh, I think the guys back then, like Leaky, that were able to come up with ideas of using grease paint and, you know, mortician's wax of all – and flesh tone to to be able to (laughs) create that effect – I'll take that any day over what they've got to offer now. I just will. I I don't think I've watched a whole lot of films made after the early seventies. I, I kind of concentrate on the, you know, the film, the the trick films of the 1890s all the way through silence and to the end of hammer pretty much. Then I I watch some new films. I'm not like totally out of it, but I mean, 
those are my favorites. Those are my go-tos. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, they stand the test of time for me. Other movies I'll watch and I'll be like, yeah, that was okay, but it doesn't stick with me, and Hammer definitely does. Yeah, and then the end, you know, it's like, I just love how they always set it up. You know, it's like at the end, all that's left is, is his ashes and the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the signet ring and uh, and in the sequel, you know. Oh, yeah, that'll come into play. <laughs> Clove's got it, right? He's ready. He's got the ring. He's got the ashes. <laughs> I mean, I think there were seven sequels. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah. Brides of Dracula, not, we're not counting that even because Lee wasn't in it. I think there was a script they were writing called The Return of Dracula or, or something or the uh, something like that. Yeah. And uh, so I couldn't I just it's amazing to me. It took eight years to get him back in the cape. But once they did, they couldn't get him out of it. I think he did. Let's see. One, two, three. Uh four five seven yeah but if you were to talk to him in any interview interview i've ever seen with him it's like i played dracula's character three four times no more than five he but it was seven (laughs) (laughs) but he just doesn't want to admit to it you know (laughs) i I don't know i don't know why not i mean they're really enjoyable films but the ways that they came up with to do away with him in every movie i mean you know, like I say, some were better than others, but, you know, they always had some kind of an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always thought of something different. There, Every film, either his death and her, his resurrection, there was always something interesting and something different. Some are better than others, for sure, but they always thought of yeah, something well, new. If you look at the end of the third film, Dracula's Risen from the Grave, mm-hmm. I think the closest thing to continuance is uh, Taste the Blood of Dracula, which is the fourth film. Yeah. Uh, where he's like struggling on the cross. And mm-hmm. I mean that you could easily take that movie and link it together and make one three hour movie. Yep. Yeah. You could play them back to back. Kind of like the uh, first two uh, Frankenstein films They're They pretty much start with, you know, the end and then begin with the uh, guillotine scene. Yeah. Easily. You can yep. easily do that. Uh, the continuity in not every Dracula and Frankenstein film was there, but when they did have continuity like that, it was like exact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't always need it, but it, it was cool to have it in those couple of films. But again, I don't always need it because to me, Cushing and Lee, they were just such a force, you know, and driving these films. It, it, it's, and again, again, not to, uh, short, give short change to the other people too. They always had a great cast top to bottom. So those casts and the sets and again, the music with, you know, our buddy James Bernard, it's just, they had a complete package of everything you want in a film. Bernard Robinson, company. the other Bernard, yeah, he's yeah. with us. I don't think we lost him till around 1970. I know he passed away, but uh, he was there for the big ones, and uh, and it, you yeah. know, it's and it's just like the cinematography. I mean, and some like Freddie Francis, who went behind, became mm. a director. Yeah, uh, like in that third Dracula entry, the way he photographed with colored lenses is just, I just love it. Yeah, he was a uh, he was a guy that was willing to try new things for sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah, he did the skull for Amicus, and I, you know, mm, that's a good one. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, I I think the story I heard was when they arrived on that set, they had Cushing Lee, they had Freddie Francis, they had a lot of Hammer people, there. and I, <laughs> but I, they didn't have much of a script for Amicus, you know, and so they kind of had to wing it and kind of write stuff on the fly, but they came up with a good movie. 
Yeah, Michael Guff's in that one too. <laughs> he's got yeah. a small role, but he's in the very beginning of that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. He's just a guy, you know, that it's like most everything he's in is is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I can't there was one he was in. I can't think. I, I don't want to guess, but uh yeah, my I enjoyed just about everything he was in. Really good uh in Dr. Terror's House of Horror. Him and him and Lee going at it and that were that was a really good the hand scene. The, yep. The yep. Hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned my favorite one of Michael Gufson. That's uh you know from nineteen sixty-two there, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, he is a real world-class jerk in that film, which is what they wanted, so he's perfect, but he was great in that one. Didn't he play it perfectly though? And we didn't yeah. lose him until he he was like Christopher Lee. He was another guy that learned that lived to be in his mid nineties. I think he just died mm-hmm. no no more than ten years ago. Yeah, it wasn't and terribly long ago. Chris Christopher Lee was maybe seven years ago, but uh, yeah, he got a second he got a second life too, like Christopher Lee did, um, mm-hmm. with the uh, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. He he, I think ended up in Batman films. Didn't Alfred, he? yeah, he was Alfred. <laughs> yeah, and he got in. I, I know he was in Sleepy Hollow and mm-hmm. Corpse Bride. He kind of get into the. He kind of got into that Tim Burton group with uh, Lee and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he that's another guy that had a really long career. That's that's for sure. Yeah, solid uh, guy. Yeah, and he was in Trog. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in the Crimson <laughs> Colt. He was in the Crimson Colt with Christopher Lee and Boris Karloff. Mm-hmm. And he was in Berserk, which was the one I was thinking with Joan Crawford. Oh, yes, right. Yep. The right. uh yeah, the the one set in a I think it was set in a circus. But uh yeah, he uh Wherever he ended up, he gave a good performance. So unlike some people, I had no problem with him playing Arthur Holmwood in the uh, the Dracula film. Not at all. Nope, me neither. I think he was solid, as was, you know, everybody in this one. He's in, in front of the camera and behind it. This is a, to me, this is one that you, you know, if you haven't seen this film, which I'm sure, you know, just about everybody, if not everybody that will be listening to this has seen it. But if you haven't. It's definitely you know, an essential. Yeah, I, I think film. just about everybody listening to it will also try the mortician's wax experiment because when I was younger, <laughs> what I did, I tried to do what they did with that and paint over it, and it, it, I couldn't get it to work like they did. So you got to be you got to be a pretty pretty much a uh, genius with using odds and ends to make stuff look really good, like they did in uh, with the makeup and Curse of Frankenstein, kind of the same thing, and even the mummy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Lee really went through uh, H-E double hockey sticks making that movie. I censored <laughs> myself. <laughs> yeah, he was he was always willing to do whatever he was asked to do to, you know, make the picture good. That's that's yeah, for he, sure. He froze. He got he got beat up by pipes uh, in the <laughs> yep. swamp area. Yeah, just but, you know, <clears throat> is anybody just watching those films? Uh, you wouldn't know that a lot of that stuff was just a set piece, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, some great work obvious. ethic. Yeah. Some are obvious in some, you know, some later films maybe or some, but you know, the, the main, there's a main canon of hammer films that are probably in the 20 to 30 range that are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yes. there's another, then there's a range below that that are still amazing. They're just not quite as good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like we said, that's a studio where for, you know, a decade, almost pushing a decade and a half, 
mm-hmm. you've really you've really got you know horror and then even like you mentioned a couple of really cool sci-fi films too they did some really good sci-fi in the 50s and you know oh yeah really good they, stuff they, they they followed up in the 60s and 67 with one of their best Quatermass mm. yeah that one's real that's good five, that's a five-star movie and then so you bring in barbara shelley and for me Ooh. i think mm. she's the she's got to be the biggest female star uh long career at hammer mm-hmm. and uh that was like a one of her best efforts along with the gorgon and others mm, yeah and then there's the ones you don't hear about so much because they don't they don't put them out like uh oh, shadow of the cat she was in that yep and that's, that's a hammer film and uh she's just you know and dracula the prince of darkness she's in that uh mm-hmm. Rasputin the Mad Monk, she's in that. Oh, she's great in that film. Yeah, yeah, she's really good. 66 and 67, she hit about three in a row out of the ballpark. And mm-hmm. uh and uh Mass in the Pit, boy, that was uh that's still a science fiction film that'll give you a scare. And it's you know, it's 1967. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they were and like you even said too, Devil Rides Out. That's another one that's really creepy. That was around there, wasn't it? Sixty eight maybe? Yeah, Sixty seven. Yeah, they, yeah. They got into the occult stuff. That was sixty seven, sixty eight, I think it finally came out. But the only thing for Hammer with me that I didn't you know, I, I followed them everywhere, like into the occult, into the science fiction, into the vamp into the horror. And I probably the the least favorite of mine was when they tried to start ta- taking it in the caveman direction, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, There's a couple of decent ones in the caveman direction, but after that, eh. but I mean, not everybody's, I mean, not every film can be a hit for every studio, but mm-hmm. I'd put their production and that output in that 12 year period up against anybody. Uh, yep. And I, I'm talking about studios that had blockbusters. So, I mean, like that had more money to put into the film than hammer did. Yeah. That's always yeah. something I try to consider too, when I'm, you know, comparing errors and, production companies and stuff like that it's like oh this company and yeah well they had three four five times the budget hammer did too so take that away would they have still been as good and probably not probably not because they didn't have the people that would think to use mortician's wax with coated and flesh <laughs> yeah. paint to crawl i mean that's that's genius to me just little things like that mm-hmm. you know or using the candlesticks as a cross or just the little stuff it just adds up and makes a picture like that a film like that a, a classic yep yeah and this is definitely at the top of the heap so yeah get out there and see this movie if you haven't and even if you have watch it again and try to take more of a critical eye and look for something you haven't seen because you're probably going to find something and i would suggest getting the blu-ray um, mm, yeah that's out that's out now because that comes off the the bfi restoration and you're going to really notice a lot more uh yeah. any version of it's good but you know, I, I, I've noticed I, I was sent um, the company doing it, uh, uh, Shout. Shout Factory, yeah. Yeah, their their attention on these films is just just amazing. And they just put out an amazing version of uh, The Curse of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And uh, these restorations are just getting better and better. And, you know, there's a lot of talking heads that talk along the soundtrack. I'm not a big fan of that, you know. Yeah, I mean, some people like it. I mean, I just rather would rather watch the movie. They can be interesting if you get extra time, but I'd just rather watch the movie again, you know, instead of listening. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Uh, uh, no, I mean, it's got its place in fandom. But I mean, just for me, I'll just watch the movie again. Yeah. Yeah. Unless there's somebody on there that 
you know, had something to do with the creation of the film. That's yeah. That's then you're, me, well, yeah. Well, there's a good, that. there's, there's a really good one with, uh, 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 Dracula, Prince of Darkness, where they gathered together and got Christopher Lee and Barbara Shelley and Susan Farmer and, uh, the actor, his name will come to me or maybe it won't, but he, he was in a lot of hammer films too. Uh, oh, gosh, yeah. I can't think of his name. The younger guy. I can't think of it either. He was in, he was in <laughs> Rasputin. He was in, he was even in the revenge of Frankenstein. He played Peter. The Cushing's Gorgon. Love. He was in, I think, wasn't he or no, 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 he wasn't in the Gorgon. I know who you no, mean. But, oh, Francis Matthews. Sorry. Francis Matthews. Yeah. Yeah. He was there and they had all four of them talking and his brother had shot some eight millimeter film in color. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, of them filming the movie. So of course you're going to love an extra like that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd go for something like that for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, well, we'll wrap up here. So any final thoughts on this one? It's an, it's an A plus, uh, you know, I would put it up there. You know, people always ask me all the time, what are your favorite hammer films? It's like, it, it changes. It's like, it, if you're a fan of a certain group, this, your favorite songs change, mm-hmm. but you know, at any, any given moment, you always got to put horror Dracula or Dracula in there. You got to mm-hmm. put in uh probably curse of Frankenstein. Frankenstein must be destroyed. You got to throw in, uh, you know, uh, Quatermass in the pit you've got to throw in the devil rides out maybe mm-hmm. dracula prince of darkness and then, then then there's others that are interchangeable i'm a big fan of the gorgon i think it's a mm. it's, even though the special effects are not what they wanted it doesn't matter this the 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 level of actors in that movie barbara shelley christopher lee peter cushing uh and just so many other good actors that were in that movie Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, what a good one. Yep, that is a really good one. That's one of my favorites to watch, too. <laughs> Love the Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I'm just glad they did stick around so long and have uh, such a big canon of films that you don't have to really watch in about the same 10 films over and over. You can spread it across, you know, easily 50 or 60 or, you know. Yep. Yep, for sure. So, all right, well. At this point, I'm going to let you go, but everybody needs to go to Twitter. And if you're not on there, you need to get on there because if you go to Twitter and you look up this account, you are going to have a good time. It's uh, at HorrorHammer1, correct? Yes, and I did not curse this entire podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, definitely. I'd like to get that out because anybody that follows my account, the 52,000, will know that I like to do that. No, but this you don't need to curse uh when it comes to a film like this it's uh just talking about the aspects of what we did the intricate details of the makeup and the music it's just there's more than enough there to uh, have a really good conversation yep absolutely so yep everybody again get on there get on twitter and give it a follow you, you put hammer stuff amicus stuff on there universal all good all the good stuff that's what i would call it all the good stuff that's on and that what's account. your main your main account once it, it's at uh yeah, so me, if you do a search and just look for, um, it's Doc Strange, but it's at Billy D and underscore Licious. And don't ask why that's the name, because that's all I could think of at the time. It was like, I got on Twitter, and I'm like, I'm going to get on Twitter. And everybody no, I, I, no I've, 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 got his, I've, I've got his account hooked into my favorite list, so you can just find it through me. But he, yeah. he comes up with some really good stuff, too. And uh, 
Yeah, yeah. There, there's a certain group of us that uh, are kind of interconnected and have been for a long time on there. And uh, yeah. it's a fun little, uh, I think what it kind of comes out to being is the horror family. Isn't that what they call it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a, and a good it's community. Exp- it's it's expanded, pretty, horror community. It's expanded really good. And some mm-hmm. of the actors are in there too, like some of our favorites from now, like Barbara uh, Crampton and, you know, people like that, mm-hmm. Bonnie, you'll see them in there too. And uh, it's just a really, and, and some of the hosts of the horror films are in there. I can't yep. think of a, a Joe Bob that, uh, what, what do you call Last Drive-In. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a whole big group of fun people and you can kind of, they're all kind of connected on Twitter in one way or the other. So I would, in, you know, I would encourage anybody to join up with this little community because it's not really little anymore. But mm-hmm. you, you get to see a lot of cool footage and see a lot of neat pictures. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a good way to spend a rainy day. Yeah, I love the behind the scenes stuff. You and I were talking about that before. I love to see in the pictures of, like you said, <laughs> the, the, the Carol uh, Marshes having tea and <laughs> lunch with her vampire teeth in. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, the uh, the zombies in Plague of the Zombies having a smoke mm. and a cup of tea in a grave sitting in a grave. I'll put some <laughs> of that up later tonight for fun. Yeah, that's that's great. Love it. That's that's awesome. So, all right. Well, I'm gonna jet out of here right now, and uh, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. This was a blast, man. Oh no, anytime. Yeah, it was good to be on the show, and uh, just uh, keep watching those old horror films. You can't beat them. <laughs> yep. Always look up a good hammer on a on a weekend. So, I'll be back in just a minute here to wrap things up. Stay tuned. All right, everybody, that wraps up episode 38. You know, once again, I want to thank uh, Bomber for being on. Great Twitter account. Need to get out there and follow him if you are not uh, as of this moment. He uh, does a really good job there. He posts, I don't know how many uh, things a day. He has got like a machine and tons of clips, videos, interviews, you know, some, you know, horror stuff, and then even some humorous bits from the horror movies, outtakes, stills that are really hard to find. Really, really good account. So you really got to get out there and follow him uh, and interact with him. He's a really good guy and, and knows his stuff. Really, really smart guy. Knows his stuff about Hammer, and Universal, Amicus, and all that stuff. And fun guy to interact with. So definitely uh, give him a try out there. And then uh, I also wanted to say uh, there was a quick email here. Uh, we got some feedback. And it said about uh, Hammer Dracula podcast. And this is by uh, David. And uh, he said, hi, Billy. And he's like, first of all, I want to congratulate you, congratulate you on a great podcast. Love the show and really enjoy the ones on films in particular. And he said he listened to uh, the Hammer Curse of Frankenstein episode. And as ever, your clear enjoyment of the film mixed with seamlessly with interesting facts as you went through the film. Um, you know, and thank you, David. I really appreciate it. You know, he talks about his huge love uh, for Hammer as well. You know, these films uh, mean a lot to him as well. And I, I Hammer does have one of the best uh and most endearing uh, fan groups you know yeah there's sometimes some people that are a, a bit overboard about it but uh, the the good people that are fans of it you know are really cool and really good and they really enjoy interacting with each other and uh you know talking about these great films that uh, hammer made so uh like i said uh, get out there and watch some hammer films and i'm definitely gonna have more hammer coming up on the show here uh might even uh, throw an extra show or two in over the summertime uh because I've got a few in the can already, too. And, of course, the classics, you know, the big ones. As of this moment, you know, when you hear this recording, I'll have had, uh, you know, my favorite, which is uh, 
Dracula's Risen from the Grave out there. And then uh, also I've done uh, now Horror of Dracula and Curse of Frankenstein. But you're going to hear some other big ones coming up here too in the uh, near future. So don't worry. Uh, so uh, all I have to say is uh, keep listening. And thank you for listening. And thanks for your support. Take care. Thank you.